Welcome to the Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Primus, father, entrepreneur, filmmaker, athlete, hopeful writer, and dedicated wanderer. I'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives, their struggles, and passions, and pains. So every week, with athletes, entrepreneurs, healers, adventurers, and beyond, I'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people, places, pursuits, and performance. Enjoy. Hello, lovely, beautiful, curious people. Welcome back to The Ramble. I have a very special guest. A very special guest because she is a very special friend of my wife and I, Amber Lee Lyons, who is the host of the Shocker Girl Radio, also has the fantastic and wildly successful Shocker Girl course. And on her radio show, she interviews top experts and spiritual celebrity celebrities, excuse me, alike to share the insights, rituals, and energy hacks that have led to their ascension. You have ascended. I have stayed grounded <laughs> and we'll talk about that. And her audience always walks away from each episode with tangible practices to implement into their own daily routines. Amber Lee, welcome to the Ramble. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I know it's it's early early days. In the Those ramble. are the most exciting days. The most exciting and the most rambly. Perfect. <laughs> I have no no agenda whatsoever. Perfect. I uh, I hear you're you're leaving the city after so many wonderful years. I am leaving the city. I've lived in downtown Vancouver for fourteen years. Grew up in the suburbs moved downtown when I was 21. Now I'm 35. <laughs> oh my God. And yeah, I've been downtown ever since I never left. Like there were times, like there were times where I had to like sleep on someone's couch because I refused to go back to the burbs. Yeah. But um, yeah, now I'm like going even further than the burbs and hitting the sticks. Like that's like, you're going out there. So we are talking about the city of Vancouver yeah. of, of cities and the suburbs being like an hour out, but you're going like, you're going to wine country. I'm going like four and a half hours out. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. doesn't even exist. Out yeah. There, right. Yeah. I was the same way though. I remember, I don't know, 20, I'm saying, so I'm 35 and I don't want to say 20, 21. It was like, yeah, everything, every fiber in my being had to be in Vancouver. It was like, yeah. you were not a human being if you did not live inside yeah. that exactly. city. Exactly. What changed for you? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> everything has changed, but I feel like, I mean, 2020 was like really like a second awakening for me where I was like, really started to realize what mattered and what didn't. I actually just wrote an article about this on how like our ascension is really like a stripping away of what no longer serves us. And I'm reading a course in miracles right now. And it talks about how the, sorry, I'm not religious. I don't, is it the final judgment or the last judgment? What are they? Final, 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 my dad's read it. Yeah. The last, okay. So they, so they talk about in the Bible, like the last judgment, I think what it, that's what it's called and how everyone thinks that that's what the apocalypse is. Like people think that that's when it's the apocalypse and you're either going to hell or you're going to heaven and everyone's going to die. But it talks about how the last judgment is actually our ascension and, and that like the universe doesn't judge, but we are going to start looking at our life and judging what is serving us and what is not. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I, and I, so many people I've, I've been talking to have been saying the same thing where they've been like really stripping away and releasing things that no longer serve them. And for the people who aren't doing that intentionally, it happens 
in a more aggressive way. Like they've lost their jobs or they've whatever it is. But um, when you're, I've just been in this place where luckily I've been seeing things from a heightened perspective and seeing what serves me and what doesn't and being in the city in the thick of it, trying to, you know, keep up with the Joneses and get the latest, whatever. Like, it's like, that's fun. And it served a purpose at the time, but I'm just not really interested in that anymore. So yeah. Yeah. We just want like a simple life. Uh, I, you can come on, you can come be a farmhand in Agassiz, you and Frank. Well, I will say like, I was inspired, like when you guys moved, like that was inspiring because it really showed up like when we, we've come to your home, like it really is like, you feel like you're in a different place. Like you feel like you're in a completely different world and it's just so much more calm and relaxed and we're not going to have as much land as you granted, but to be able to have a garden and like grow your own potatoes and whatever, like, you know, that's something that we haven't been able to do here. And so it'll just be a little bit different. I think, I think you'll thrive in it for sure. Yeah, and this, so. you're down the street from like 300 amazing wineries. So well, exactly. the day you... <laughs> maybe my demise. Actually. <laughs> I know we like, we looked there, we're like, well, oh, that's not safe. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting. I, I want to ask about how you came into the course of miracles. Cause that's like, Oh, gee. Yeah. Law of attraction and like been around forever, mm-hmm. but but hasn't been necessarily the buzz at any one point. No. But what's also interesting about what you said was I got a buddy in, in Australia who is a life coach down there and he's got this whole, everything that he is about is about insecurity. And he believes that insecurity that has been formed by some sort of a, a response to a traumatic, a childhood event or just how we were brought up. Yeah is what sort of holds us back from maturity as adults, holds us back from happiness, holds us back from contentment, being in our, you know, in our bodies and being happy with our lives. And uh, in the book, he says that there's a, there's a, he has this nexus thing where there's a moment in time where the insecurity is helpful. Mm-hmm. This idea that you mentioned about keeping up with the Joneses, yeah, where we need to get to the big city because we are insecure about who we are. We don't actually accept who we are. Yeah. Right. And so it's a rite of passage, but if we stay in it too long, we become Mm self-destructive. Right. It's like he uses the reference of Michael Jordan um, where in the movie or certain movie, the Netflix series, the last dance, Jordan's looking a little haggard because, and that's not a knock on Jordan. Everyone appreciates and is inspired by his greatness and, you know, what he achieved in his life and overcame, but the inability to turn off the competitive spirit. Yeah. So where, where did this happen for you where you're like all of a sudden, no, wait, that's not working for me to be chasing the way you chased. And we'll get into how you chase because you have achieved such amazing things. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I'm quite lucky that it wasn't, something terrible happening. I mean, I, it did kind of actually, I mean, I guess it kind of did. It kind of started when I had my appendix removed and I kind of, uh, it was like very sudden and I was, you know, like not like realizing that I didn't have control over my physical body. And it just also like, just made me realize that things can change really, really quickly. And I think that was a bit of a wake up call for me. Um, but other than that, I think it was literally just 
having achieved everything that I want, that I like my biggest goals, it's like, okay, got that, got that, got that. And then it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> like, you know, in 2020, like, don't get me wrong. That was maybe my best year, best year in business. Like, you know, Frank and I were thriving, like home all day together, trying new things, like living a different life, right? Like when you can't go to restaurants and what are you going to do? You're going to try different things. And so we were, so 2020 was actually a really good year for me. So I was, you know, I did kind of, you know, put my head down and, and work really hard and I reached like some really big milestones. And after that, I was, it, it was just kind of like, oh, like that did not make me a happier person that did not, you know, and it's like, okay, now what? Now I set a bigger goal and then burn myself out going to get it. Like, what's the point of that? Like, to me, it was just kind of like a homecoming to like, okay, yeah, you know what? I actually kind of preferred sitting at home with my husband doing nothing, having FaceTime calls with people and actually connecting with them rather than, you know, having like a quick little dinner with them. Like, I just felt like I was connecting so much more to people that mattered and to people that, and, and falling apart from people who didn't. So, so yeah, I feel like once I achieved everything that I set out for, I, I, it didn't fulfill me in the way I had, you know, hoped. And I, I really quickly realized that then I started talking a lot more about conscious manifestation, whereas like in regular manifestation, like it's like set a goal, you know, visualize that. But a lot of those goals that we set are from a place of wanting validation. If we set, if, if we know that for, I mean, money is usually the biggest thing that people are trying to manifest money, success, power, you know, those are all like the ego wants. Right. But if you really look at money, like it's not, it doesn't create love, joy, or bliss. It can amplify those things, but it doesn't create them. But when you live your life in love, joy, bliss, purpose, you know, then money comes in, but you're using it in more intentional ways and in ways that actually create more love, joy, bliss, purpose, rather than amplify the ego. So it was just a very small like shift in perspective. And I don't think that means, and I always say like, that doesn't mean that you can't want the nice car. It just means that you can't want the nice car because you think it's going to make you cool. Does Amberly does? <laughs> <laughs> <It doesn't>. <laughs> <laughs> when you got the nice car, I was like, "That's cool." <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear on that. And I there's there's a lot to unpack. And I think that there's I think that understanding what you've done in the last call it decade is important in unpacking what you just said. But you said something that that made me just want to kind of take a digression where you said you're not in control of your body. Yeah. And that struck me because I think everything that I'm seeing today is trying to control the body. Yeah. Right. Like it, we're trying to use, this isn't, this isn't a, a, an opinion on the medicine as it relates to COVID. It is just that it is, it is that it is trying to control something that is happening in yeah. nature by saying, okay, if I put this in me, I control it. now take COVID and throw it away for now. That's everything that we, we do in our lives. Like, mm-hmm. you know, from the, from all the medications we take to, to diets, to all these things is trying to control our body. And what I, I've not heard anything of in the last, well, not, not a lot of, I should say is this idea that there's like these layers, one is the mind, one is the body, and then one is 
the spirit, this intangible thing that we kind of like push away because it's so it's so woohoo or whatever the word is there. And I guess I want to ask when you say you don't control your body, what is it that you're saying? I want to rephrase that. I was not at the time intentionally controlling my body. (laughs) And like, I, you know, it was almost like something happened really quickly because it, it, again, because I wasn't focusing on the things that mattered. Doesn't mean, you know, was I like, yeah, I was eating while I was working out, but was I taking care of my nervous system? Was I taking care of my digestive system? Was I taking care of myself energetically? Was I taking care of my spirit a hundred percent when I was hustling and like working really hard? Like, especially like in 2020, yeah, I said I had a good year, but there's also so many things coming at you and our nervous system started to like really feel it in different ways. And it showed up for different people in different ways. I've been reading a lot about our, I mean, how uh, like epigenetics and, you know, how our thoughts do control our body, um, how we can change our DNA with our thoughts, how our thoughts can change our energy, but we need to be setting the space to be intentional around it. And we need to be so mindful of our thoughts and our words. And even me saying, I can't control my body was a misstep. And I shouldn't have said that, but like, just like, even just the way that we, you know, for example, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I'm going to take an Advil. Like what if instead we like took the time to like really analyze, okay, why do I have a headache? What can I do that would actually serve me? What's going on energetically for me? Like we don't like, we're just in such a like pop a pill society. (laughs) Like we want like the fast, you know, the fast action. But I think we, I actually think we can control our bodies. And I think that our thoughts control our frequency, our frequency controls our reality. And that includes our physical body. Yeah, that is exactly where I was. I I thought you'd go. And that's because, and and I probably phrased the question terribly, but what I was driving at when I say there's this trifecta is exactly what you just said, where we we just treat the symptom and we don't, we don't look at what caused the symptom to anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where this spiritual thing, you can look at it spiritually and you can say, there's greater things at work. And that's also at play here and how I think about them and how that thought affects my body is one way, or you can just look and say, I am thinking about the world one way because of something that happened to me and I'm locked, I'm broken somewhere. And then that brokenness is causing the thought that's causing. Exactly. And that's like one of the things in course in the course of miracles too. It's basically like nothing I see is real. Nothing I see is like everything I see is in the past. Like Mm. everything that you're see, you're, you're projecting on it, your thoughts and your, your emotions from the past. You're not seeing anything as it is in the present moment. Yeah. And, and, and seeing anything right now is, I mean, it's a fucking nightmare to be honest. Like it's (laughs) so dark The world, the world, if I just go outside to my, to my shabby hobby farm, the world's perfect. It's literally divine rain or shine. Uh, It's not paradise. Like, you know, you've been here, it's, but it's still divine. And it's like, but then as soon as you come in and you log on and you were just berated with all of it, all of a sudden it's like, oh man. And I have lost myself in it a lot over the last couple of years. And to your point, I have not acknowledged the, uh, the nervous system side Mm -hmm. effects that have then now 
creeped into so much of yeah. my my life and 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 to your you know again to your point you're making and that's drawing to the sign of or saying okay well i need to now i need to change there's something calling me somewhere else mm-hmm. so how does somebody listen to that well i like i love how you referenced your farm because the reason that you and that's things like there's two worlds going on you've created a world I don't want to say outside of the matrix, but a world that doesn't depend on the matrix. Mm -hmm. So that's the reality that you've created. And I think that really is step one. Like, how do we like release that like nervous system grasp on everything that's going on? And that tension is like, okay, well, how, like, what are the actual structures that I once thought were keeping me safe? And am I leveraging those? Am I using those? Am I depending on those? I think we can leverage the matrix. I think we can, there's good things about it, but can you just define it a little bit as, as you're thinking about it? Yeah. So um, for example, the stock market, like we know that it's corrupt and we know that the money system is corrupt and we know that wall street is corrupt, but we can, you know, have our own business and live on our farm and put some money in the stock market and make even more money and then take it out and use it to do good. So it's like, there's things that are negative about the matrix and about the systems that we can leverage. So I think at the end of the day, like what calms me down and what makes me feel, you know, allows me to like rest and and to not be too worried about it is just, I, I have an underlying belief that light always wins. And I know that when I am in the rabbit hole, I'm blocking off the miracles in my reality from coming to fruition and the darkness that we're seeing in the world is just a reflection of what's going on internally for everyone. So to do our part, we're doing our own inner work. So we can look at, okay, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid that my freedom, like number one, my freedom is being taken away. Okay. So let me do the reflection on what does freedom mean to me? How has, you know, where, when, when in my childhood, did I not feel free? When, how have I allowed this like lack of freedom to like run my life? And there's so many ways. Like if we look at our own relationship with freedom, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, we've never had, you know, maybe you lived in, had some lack, or maybe you felt like had, you know, parents that were overbearing or whatever, like looking at your relationship with freedom. And then when you turn it on yourself, you're reclaiming and like regaining the control over the emotional reaction to it. If you're looking at the world and you, I can't change that, you know, oh my God, this is bigger than me. Like, what am I going to do? But you can, you do have control over what's happening inside of you. And if you can reconcile that shadow within you, then you're going to start to see that mirrored outwardly. Is it necessarily mean that one journal journaling session is going to like change Trudeau or like, no, not necessarily, but it, it takes the energetic charge away from whatever you're perceiving. Yeah. It's the hardest thing in the world to accept or one of the hardest things. And I think it is the journey of our part of our human journey that it all comes back to us. Exactly. And all the rest of it is theater. Yeah. And that's not to say that it's not real necessarily. That's not, that's not the claim I'm making. It's that it's only our engagement with it that gives it all its power, yeah. positively or negatively. Mm-hmm. And that darkness that you're talking about, I, you know, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, that 
it's not to say one side or the other is dark. It is, it's that how everyone is showing up in it is dark. Yeah. The negativity and the division and the entrenching into, you know, this belief pattern where, you know, we're, we think we get it. Yeah. We don't get shit. We're never going to go. I mean, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully like we all get it one day and that like some kind of like truth comes out, but like, it's all so intricate. And to your point, there are no two sides. It's like, we're, we're we have this feeling that it's like, are you on this side? Are you on this side? But neither of those are reality. So we can only create our own reality, which is why we need to create a world that doesn't our own world that doesn't necessarily rely on any such structures. Yeah. Yeah. And this, like this, this always treads into, to eye roll territory for so many, but I think it's, I think it's just so disappointing because I've always found that what's so exciting about being a human is being curious about what is. And as soon as we, we say we have truth, that truth creates a border. Exactly. And there's so, always something on the other side of a border, right? Or a wall. And so we limit ourselves in what is possible in our thinking, regardless of what you decide is your truth. Exactly. Because it's not, right? Like we are, we're just, we're just, it's unraveling as, as, it, as it's happening, like you said, and, and we're, it's our job to keep experiencing and exploring that, mm-hmm. which I'm going to use uh, to bring us back to when, you know, you weren't always shocker girl, <laughs> you know, and, and we actually worked together. We talked about this when we were on your podcast, we actually worked together at a company that I had called naked underwear, which made high end men's and women's underwear. And then you left this company and just fucking took off to the sky. And I want to know, because in all of that time of knowing you, mm-hmm. you never mentioned anything about energy consciousness, ascension, chakras, and that, and so was it there or did it come later? And how did you just latch into this, this vein that you found? Well, I, it was slow. It was definitely like a slow learning for me of like, okay, I'm implementing this. I'm not necessarily talking about it. I don't know if I know what I'm talking about. And I remember, I do remember vividly bringing my juicer to the office. And everyone like, wow, you're a weirdo. And I was like doing yoga. And like, I think people kind of knew that I was kind of, you know, getting into that woo woo stuff, but, but yeah, the chakras, stuff started just through, yeah, through my own journey. And I healed, uh, like I I had like a physical throat block. Like I, I, I was always clearing my throat. I always had tonsillitis. I always had all these throat issues. And I, I noticed in a meditation, like my first ever meditation class that I went to that I was like coughing a lot. Like, and I, I could feel like this ball of energy in my throat. And so I asked the teacher and she's like, oh, your throat chakra. And I'd heard, you know, different yoga teachers talking about chakras. And I literally just self-taught myself. I bought some crystals. I Googled different meditations. I was on YouTube all the time. And I was like, and then I, I, within two weeks, like healed my throat chakra. And I was like, wow, what else can I do? Like, I'm a witch. I'm great. Like, this is (laughs) awesome. Like, why don't people know this? And I actually do remember telling you, we went, we were at lot. We, I don't know what we were doing. We were at lunch. I think someone else might've been there, but I was like, yeah, I'm like kind of starting like a jewelry business, but the jewelry was, was chakra jewelry. So it was like crystals and gemstones and 
that was where it kind of started. And then I launched the jewelry company. Nobody really cared about the jewelry, but I had so many people reaching out to me being like, I want to launch a business. Like, how did you unblock your chakras to launch a business? I have so many fears. I have so many insecurities. And then I started teaching people that. <laughs> and I came up with an, a program called Chakra Girl Business School and taught people not just like the strategy of starting a business, but the, you know, how to, how to unblock yourself and how to clear any of those energy blocks, mindset blocks. And like you, like you were saying earlier, like there's the, the different touch points, right? So we would go over mind, uh, mind, body, soul, and energy. So mindset soul, which was like, you know, rituals and self-care. What did I say? Mind, body. Oh yeah. Body. Like we were actually doing like physical, like, like different physical practices with like crystals and such. And then energy was a lot of like visualizing. Uh, and then, so at first I was just teaching the beginner stuff. I was like, okay, I know how to launch a, I know how to do a website, a shitty website. And I know how to like buy a logo and I know how to, you know, it was just like those first few things. And then I kept learning as I went. And then I kept, you know, adding more to my program. Okay. Now I can teach you this. Now I can teach you how to get your first few clients. Now I can teach you how to, you know, the strategies that make me X amount of dollars. Now I can teach you how to launch a group offering. Now I can teach, you know, so it was just like kept growing and growing and growing. And then I had like, you know, other offerings for people that were further along in their business and it just kept expanding. So that was where it really led me. And then again, with like that stripping away <laughs> that we spoke about, I always say like, you're meant to teach people the thing that changed your life the most. And at this time in my life, my business had changed my mind, my, my life the most, but with this stripping away, I realized that, you know, a lot of that probably was a little bit ego. It served a lot of people. It did a really, you know, it did a lot of good things. It helped a lot of people. You know, I helped people that launched businesses that also helped people. So it was this big ripple effect, but I realized that that was not, that was one of the things that changed my life, but at the root of everything that changed my life and at the root of what I think the biggest impact I can make in the world is stripping it back to the foundation of rituals and coming back to that, coming back to the daily rituals, the daily practices, the consciousness, the ascension, like all those things. And I think that's what the world needs more right now. Yeah. And language is so funny in that, when we say rituals, mm -hmm. these are just, these are just healthy habits. These are just healthy routines. These are just things that, that everyone does in their own way. And the, the idea that something is woo woo because it's it has a different point of entry or a different perspective of which it's trying to go back to bring you back to the same thing. Yeah. It's so, it's such a bummer mm -hmm. because it just blocks people from ever wanting to, to really start in, down, down a path that is, I have never met a single person who hasn't gone down this rabbit hole a little bit and just healed something. Well, maybe it wasn't everything. Maybe they weren't a guru, uh, you know, in it, but they found some healing through, through this. And, and so I just, before I go forward, I just want to, you to just for the layman 
what the hell is a chakra? Like, what, okay. what are we so, talking about here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just so, to put in context. I always forget. I always just assume everyone <laughs> So, yes. So we, so, I mean, I think everyone can agree, even if you are like not spiritual, you've never done yoga. I think you can agree that everything is energy and vibration. And I mean, scientifically, every, like every molecule is like vibrating. Everything has a vibration to it. Our chakras are transmitters and receptors of energy. So when we are transmitting a certain vibration in each chakra, there's like seven of them in our main body, running up our spine, all the way to our head. They each different chakra, they have a specific vibration that when everything is running properly and you're at, you know, in alignment with your, your energy, then you are, you know, you're not meeting resistance and you're, you're being able to attract high vibrational things. And, you know, you hear you know, it's like kind of cheesy and people are like, oh, that's so high vibe. But like, literally what I mean by that is things that vibrate at a high frequency. And there are many scientific studies that you can look at. We've all been in a room where someone super happy walks in and it makes you smile. It affects your frequency. We've also been in a room where like a total wet blanket walks in and it just drags everyone down because our energy literally like it, it just, it, it shifts, like it can shift. So when we are transmitting high frequency energy, we're receiving high frequency energy back. So in quantum physics, it explains how a, an, a molecule that is on the other side of the world can be communicating with some of your energy. And if your energy is vibrating at a similar frequency, like it can attract that thing or that person or that item or that idea to you. So our, our energy, our chakra centers, they literally control everything from the people in our lives to our emotions, to our physical body, to the opportunities that come into our lives. And yeah, when they're out of balance and when they're not vibrating at the right frequency, then we attract those more low vibrational things. So there's a science to it, but there's also like a very, you know, when we think of like manifestation and I know it can sound kind of hokey or cheesy, but it's all, I mean, I think these days people get that the kind of like foundation of, of manifestation. I love when science and spirituality play together Yeah, and they always, say always, that's terrible to say, but so often it's portrayed that they are the antithesis of each other. Yeah. When you look at nocebo and placebo effects. Yeah. So nocebo effect is like the negative side is like saying something's going to happen to you and therefore it happens to you. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you've been given a bad drug, even though you weren't and there, and you have the symptoms of the drug and then yeah. placebo being, we all know that one, mm-hmm. you know, you're just, and so in, in all like randomized double blind medical trials, they have to account for nocebo and placebo. Yeah. But what they don't talk about is that that is literally the consciousness of our mind interacting with what they're trying to do. Exactly. But they don't label it that they're, you know, they're not labeling that the vibration that's coming as a result of the thing that we said, it, it has to be. So you talked about wet blanket and, and, uh, you know, happy people coming into room. It has to be that those types of trials actually have to account for that the person who is giving the placebo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can't even know because right. their vibration yeah. 
mm-hmm. projects on. We're, so, we're all intuitive. So yeah, I think people can definitely, can definitely feel it, but that's so true because like I said, our thoughts create our vibration, our vibration creates our reality. Like our thoughts are so like, it literally all starts with our thoughts. If we can get our thoughts in order, like everything comes into order. And again, bringing it back to sports, like who, okay, who, I can't remember who it was. It was some like famous pitcher. I heard this on a podcast the other day. (laughs) It was some famous baseball pitcher and he won 20 straight games. Okay. And then he, they, they changed stadiums and the, the fence was in the left field was five feet closer. And so more people would be able to hit home runs. So he got to the field and he was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to pitch here. Um, You know, they're going to, everyone's going to hit it over the fence. And then he lost 15 games in a row and that, and it wasn't because they were hitting them over the fence. It was just, he was pitching shitty because he was, you know, in his head about it. So it's like, we see so much of this in sports. If you believe it and like visualizing, you know, visualizing the win, you know, that's, it works. Like it's, it's, it's there. (laughs) The proof is there. And it's like, if we just applied that to everything else with intention, and that's why rituals are so important. It's literally giving yourself that space and time every day because we're all so busy, right? To get intentional with, okay, what are the thoughts that I actually want to entertain today? What are the thoughts that are negative that keep bubbling up? What's the trauma there? How do I release that? How do I release the emotional charge from these thoughts? And then that's, yeah, like that's why ritual is so important because it creates intentionality. Oh yeah. I mean, athletes use it all the time with like their warm up rituals and their, exactly. and their it creates that. And, and, and the, so the, the cleansing of the chakra in my, when I was a runner very early on in my running days, I had my neighbor cleanse chakras. Mm-hmm. I, I'm probably like 13. So I ain't telling anybody in high school, I'm getting my chakras cleansed. <laughs> and I don't even, I have absolutely zero understanding of the spiritual side of it. Uh, I, all I know is that this person is helping align my energy before a race. She mm-hmm. had a crystal and then the crystal would spin. And if it wouldn't spin, if my chakra was not aligned. Yeah. And when I would leave there, sometimes I would leave there exhausted, mm-hmm. absolutely like pass out, go to sleep, exhausted. And other times I would just feel so energized. And it was like what she did allowed me to make the shift to get to the work that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's like, it's like an entry point. It's like the exercise that then opens the door for the other things. Yeah. And that's why like all the rituals that I teach my clients, there's like mind, body, soul, and energy elements to it. So like for the mind, there's mantra, there's, you know, reading, there's just mindset shifts. For the body, there's, you know, you have to have a clear vessel in order for energy to be flowing properly. You can't be like eating bonbons and McDonald's every day. For the soul is the meditation. And then for the energy is, again, like the things like crystals and the things like visualization. So it's like when you're implementing all of those things, like they all, it's like they all need to work together. They do. And so your phenomenal, your course was phenomenally successful because of you. And, and what I mean by that is you really made a difference in people's lives there. They had success. Mm-hmm. I know this because I know you as a friend. I know this because I know people who've taken your course and I know them as business associates and I know them as friends. 
And there's a lot of shit courses out there in the world. Yeah. And so and the other side of it is that if you don't like meet yourself where you are. So what I mean by that is if you're not ready for the lesson that you're about to receive, even if you've had a great experience, this happens a lot with psychedelic uh, or plant medicine where you have a fucking kick-ass ayahuasca ceremony and you got a halo for like two weeks and then you're back to your terrible patterns, thought mm-hmm. patterns, et cetera, because you weren't ready to integrate the lesson. Mm-hmm. But what your success, your course tells me is that you somehow were able to transcend that. You somehow were able to help people be where they needed to be to find success in the course. And then more importantly, after the course, Yeah. how did you do that? How did you, how did you shape this? So, so many people could get wins out of it for themselves. I mean, I make people go deep. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't let people skirt by it. Um, I have like a very strict, like no victim mindset rule in my program. If someone comes into the group with complaining about their life, I automatically will say, I'm going to stop you right there. If you were to shift your perspective and ask your highest self, what solutions could you find? You told us about the problem. We don't want to hear that. What are the solutions? Mm -hmm. And if I'm I'm not here, I don't want to teach everyone. I always say like, I'm not here to give you a fish. I'm here to teach you how to fish. Like if after this course, you don't have the tools to go do it on your own. And what's the point? So a teaching people to go really, really deep within themselves, because like we said, they're everything that they believe is possible for them comes from, you know, the things that are blocking that come from the past and they have to reconcile that. So that's one of the things. The other one is, like I said, like no victim mentality, like no tolerance for that. Um, And then the other one is again, just balancing the energy with the strategy. So for example, we, every chakra has two different modules in the program. So in the first module is the root chakra And that's where we go, like the root chakra is about your personal power center. It's about your, that's where we hold our fears and our fight or flight response. It's where our money fears live. It's where any like ancestral trauma lives. So we clear all that stuff out first before we get to those foundational elements of the business, because you need to have that, that, that money mindset in check. You need to have be standing in your personal power. You need to be feel, feel grounded in your own being in order to create a strong foundation of the business. So it it was, it, that's how we structure the course. And then when we go to the sacral chakra, which is about, you know, your brand, it's like, okay, in order to create a brand, you need to feel good about yourself. You are the brand. So, you know, the sacral chakra is where our feelings of unworthiness are. It's also where our creativity and our feminine power lives. So we have to clear out any of that trauma and then activate our feminine power, activate our creativity, and then we can go create the brand. <laughs> so it was like, I basically took all the main self-sabotages that I knew came up for me and that I know come up for people. And we would get, we would get those out of the way before we took that step. When you say feminine power, you mean feminine energy, not feminine uh, as in uh, gender, right? Or no. Well, I mean, our, our feminine, like when I say feminine energy, I mean like the, if we look, I mean, males have feminine energy as well. Like it's the energy of creativity. Yes. Um, It's the energy of, 
of what's the word I'm looking for? Like being like receptiveness, empathy, compassion. So we activate all of those energies because yeah. you have to be able to emotionally connect your audience as well. I, again, just going back to words, it's like, yeah. I, I had no idea that I needed to understand both sides of the energy and what both sides of the energy represented in, in it for everybody, not just, yeah. uh, you know, the masculine energy or the feminine energy. And yeah. again, it blocks people from wanting to even touch the subject matter. Yeah. And you're cruising so fast in this thing. I can say that because I was a spectator along the way when you're, when you're having like, it's just sensational financial gain, uh, personally and professionally, how were you like checking in on the inflection points and saying like, okay, what is the next six months left look like? How do I adjust this, this crazy success that maybe you intended mm-hmm. intentionally, but you didn't, you never experienced practically mm-hmm. speaking. Like what, what, what were those inflection points and how did you, how did you adjust to them? What did they look like? I mean, I think it goes back to what we were saying before of like just having to, if, if you believe it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I would set three, I would always set like three months, six months, one year goals. And if I, I mean, did I, was I a few short, you know, dollars short on some of them? Yeah. Was I a few hundred thousand dollars short sometimes? Sure. But I always knew like, when to like, when to adjust and what to adjust. But I, I would, I'm the type of person who, if I see someone else has done it, I'm like, Oh, okay. So then, so I can do it then. So I think it, it literally came down to the belief. So the times that I was short on it, it was like, okay, well, why did I not believe I could do that? Like deep down, maybe I didn't believe that. And that did happen sometimes. And it was literally just a shift in belief that had to take place. And yeah, along with that, there usually was a shift in strategy, but if I didn't believe it could happen, maybe I wouldn't have invested in that strategy or I wouldn't have spent that much time doing it. So yeah, I mean, I, I was, I, but I'm someone who's like obsessed with the numbers. So I've got my spreadsheets. I always say I'm a, I'm a lady in the streets and a freak in the spreadsheets. I'm like always in, in the Excel and like looking at the numbers and that works for me. So yeah, that's, it, it just came down to like, okay, if I didn't make it, I don't, it doesn't necessarily mean there was something wrong with the product or the strategy. It was, it was energetic. Where did you stumble along the way? Like big stuff. Um, I, st- I, I mean, honestly, like the, oh, okay. Oh, good question. I mean, the first, when did I stumble? I'm like, never. Oh, come on, <laughs> give me something. <laughs> no, I know that I did. Hmm. I mean, definitely I've had like, like flop. Okay. Anytime that I tried to launch when I didn't want to, and it was just for the money. And I wasn't excited about it. And I was trying to rinse and repeat an old strategy that worked and made me a lot of money. And I was like, oh, this work, going to rinse it, repeat it, change a few words, do it again. Flop, like huge flop. And I remember one time specifically that I, I used to always host like these workshops and they were free workshops, but they would always like turn into sales after. And I would usually have like around 50 people would show up live and like a hundred people would watch the replay. And I would get like, you know, 15 clients from it. And I, I, I like rinse and repeat something, didn't have fun with it. It was just like, I got to reach this goal. Oh my God. And like, was just like 
whatever, not enjoying it. And then I showed up to the workshop and two people were there. And this is the, my, like, this is, I would say my only regret ever in my career was I shut the computer off and I, and then I emailed my assistant and I said, I had technical issues, email everyone in the workshop and tell them that it's not happening anymore. (laughs) When what I should have done is I should have showed up for those two people. I should have pumped the replay. I should have, you know what I mean? And that was like, wow, that was a dick move. But because it was like, I came from a dick place in the first place when I launched it, I wasn't doing it from my heart. I was doing it from like, oh, this is what's going to make me money. I wasn't doing it from like, oh, this is what I think the world needs to hear. Or this is what I really feel like sharing. Or this is what I really feel like creating impact with today. Like it was just all from like an ego place. I've been there. Yeah. It's hard. I yeah. used to feel that when I was uh, doing investor presentations all over the United States and you get like a luncheon and there'd be people in there and you just don't bring it. Yeah. It's like who cares? But yet that, there's a reason those people are in there and there's a reason that you're in there. Yes. And exactly. you owe it to them to bring it. Right. Exactly. Uh, well, thanks for, thanks for le- letting in a little bit there. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I, if I think of anything else, I'll tell you. Where do you think this course market is going? Because we're, I, I mean, if you look at the forecasts, yes. it's still set to grow by the bees, you know, the billions, yeah. but we're coming out of, uh, we're coming out of a time where yes, people are still going to stay at home and work, but the, the free time that was freed up during COVID that probably greatly accelerated the market. And you were in there long before that, like you yeah. were already tranched. Do you think the same opportunity exists? Do you think the same hunger to exists, uh, exists to learn specifically in this kind of, how do I make money category? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to just speak from my own experience in that. I think a lot of the people, I mean, I'm no longer, I would say I'm, I'm stepping out of that world. I think a lot of people are wanting more one-on-one connection and, because we've been stuck in our homes because we need more of that can that personal close connection so i think that i think like in-person retreats and like more like live situations mm-hmm. where you're actually able to talk to someone personally i feel like that's where things are going i don't have the energetic capacity to do that anymore i did that for far too long in terms of courses i think I know for myself, like I'm the person who buys every course and never opens them. So, and I, I know that too, like when I sell courses where there's no touch point, like the people who actually do it, it's so small. And so now that we've kind of gotten to a point where everyone's had that experience where they've bought a course and didn't touch it, (laughs) I think it's going to kind of like slowly peter off a little bit. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I can only speak from my experience and from what I've seen. And I know other women who had similar offerings to mine, like high ticket courses where there was minimal touch point. I know they've had harder time selling them. So I feel like I getting out at like a good time, but again, like it really depends. Like if it's something completely fresh and new that no one's ever seen before, like, you know, like it's, I'm not saying no one's going to do well or that you can't do it. Or, you know, I think there's still so much room for it. I just, I just think the boom has happened. I think you're probably, yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah. You know, for me too, like I, well, I, one, I made a shitty course. 
<laughs> like seven people. I'm sure it wasn't Kitty. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't as thought out as yours, and I wasn't as dedicated to it as as many people are. And uh, and I've always thought that it was a great opportunity. I just for people like to just get into. You said, like you said, like what do you, what's your gift? What are you really good at? Can you teach that? Can you, can you share that and, and and monetize it in a way that really truly helps people and that they want it? But it definitely hit a saturation point. And one of the things that I, I was curious about was the community side, because alongside a course, you have to build a community. Totally, right? yeah. And tell me if I'm wrong, but like the dynamics of a community must have shifted in the last little bit. Yeah. So, okay. So we've, okay. I'm, I'm going to touch on that before we go into that. I wanted to quickly add that I think low ticket recurring revenue is where things are going and pay per play. Like you want to watch this video $1, you know what I mean? I think that's kind of where things are going because mm-hmm. people are, they're willing to view the content, but, and they want to know that it's like things like, Patreon, like that kind of thing. Um, and I mean, my app, I, I mean, I like to think that that's where it's going because it's low, low ticket recurring revenue. Anyways, that's another thing. So, community. but to that, but to that point, I have like the resurgence of Patreon, not, not necessarily that it ever went away. Maybe more, maybe the better word is the relevance of Patreon. Mm-hmm. What we, people want to say what they want to say. Yeah. It is apparent. Exactly. That they're not allowed. Not everyone exactly. is allowed to say what they want. I, I know a lot of people in my industry that are really fed up with Instagram and are creating. That's why I created an app. It's like that people want to create a community in a different way and they don't want to be doing it on Instagram or Facebook. I've seen a lot of people are starting Telegram groups. I started a Telegram group. Like, I think it's kind of going there. Yeah. I mean, I guess that kind of brings us to the community element as well. And has community shifted? Yes. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm so jaded, like, to be honest, <laughs> I'm like, I, I tell you, I'm like, if I never had to speak to someone again, I'd be a happy person. Cause like, as a coach, you deal, people just lay their shit on you. Like that's like, I, you're their punching bag for their trauma. When you're trying to get them to dig into their trauma to heal it, they want to project their mommy issues on you. Like it's a lot. So I'm in a place where like with my app, there will be no community element. Do people want community? Probably. But like I said, I think those in-person things are going to be a lot more powerful. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for coaches because there is a load. Mm-hmm. My mom's a coach. Yeah. She loves what she does and she is exhausted because yeah. it's really hard not to take on and care about yeah. somebody's stuff. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, and, and that's, and that's a lot. And then when you build up this, this, you know, metaverse, not metaverse, this universe of people, who depend on you. Mm-hmm. And then ideologically, they expect you when yeah. they've done, you built a brand a certain way, you yeah. know where I'm going with this, like, and you're seeing this everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't know you thought that Amberly or. Oh, Rogan, I've never, or, I've never had a problem with that. You never had a problem I with that. Never, ever had a problem with people. Uh, I, I think I've just, since I've started 
attracted people. And the spiritual community is so different. Right. Yeah, the spiritual community is like awakened and conscious and sensitive to like what's going on. And like, they know that what we, you know, what the mainstream is telling us isn't necessarily hundred percent true. So I'm very lucky. I've maybe had a couple DMS that were more of a question like, Hey, like, what isn't this racist or isn't that, you know, isn't that the other thing? And I'm like, you know, you're, I, you know, you're open. Are, are you open to hearing a different perspective on that? That's how I always like frame the question. And some people say no. And I'm like, okay. So I I'm quite lucky with that, but yeah, to your point, I, I, I know a lot of um, friends who had like a broader audience and they are, you know, they get a lot of hate messages if they say something that's not of everyone's opinion. Yeah, no, it's tough. And it, and there's a fragility to it now yeah. um, because, you know, where we all are at and the nervous system issue, like even companies that I have where we tried to, you know, maybe we tried to do something good. We tried to do something charitable yeah, and miss the mark because yeah. that, particular charity and maybe we didn't do enough research or somebody didn't like what it standed stood for. Right. And next thing, you know, we got 25, 75 messages of hate because we decided to support this and they're no longer customers. And it's like, like, man, that was just a little bit of a slip up. And, and so I, I like, I, I, I've never had to deal with it in any kind of way, but when you look at like, what is the relationship one sets with their community that they're, that, that is, that they're nurturing. And that is supporting the business as, as a whole and the boundaries that they set in that. Mm-hmm. I'm not really, I guess I'm kind of just talking about it. Cause I I'm old school in the sense that I think, you know, maybe the old Tony Robin celebrity relationship where, like you said, there's some coaching clients, but the rest of it, there's a, there's a buffer. There's mm-hmm. not, they're not sitting on your shoulders no, they're there to engage when you're presenting or where you're bringing forth something, but that's yeah. it. That's where it ends. Exactly. But are you doing that? Like, or not quite? No, I mean, I'm not doing it. I, like right now, like I said, I have a tell I opened up cause I, so all of the programs that I ever ran had a Facebook group and I never had issues within my Facebook groups. I had like a couple of girls, like during the election that were friends and they were in the group together and they got in a fight in the Facebook group about <laughs> politics. And I like had to kibosh it. But other than that, like when I met, like any of the communities that I managed were very much only talking about the, the curriculum. Social media would be where there's more, I don't know, there's, there, there would be more of that, but I don't get that. But like I said, I started a telegram group, but I specified <laughs> this telegram group is for people that are awakened and that are, you know, that are not necessarily believing everything that they hear right now. Mm-hmm. And I think people understand in my language, if you, if they follow me, they understand what I mean by that. And they are, they understand that too. It's not necessarily me teaching it to them. I think the spiritual community is a completely different beast because everyone kind of has the same understandings. Mm-hmm. How are you? Question? <laughs> no, no, it's totally fair. I, yeah. It, because, you know, cause some people could say, well, they could look at it and be like awakened. That's awfully, uh, you know, elitist or pompous, but that's not a, at all what you mean. You're just no. speaking in the context of a, a language that your community yeah like speaks. spiritually awakened like if i was to ask anyone like any like if you don't do spiritual work you're not going to say that yeah. me saying you're not spiritually awakened i don't think you're going to be offended by that yeah you know 
I don't know anymore. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> People are offended by everything though. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Cause like, yeah, again, I'm obviously sensitive to it and I'm not even in it. And I, yeah. I don't, I'm like, kind of, I'm not it, sensitive. I just, I'm always just like, people don't come for me. Cause I like, I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I don't know. I'm just, I'm lucky that my audience is of the same thinking, or even if they're not like, it's, I'm not saying every single person that follows me is, but I, I'm never coming in a, across in a way where I'm like, this is the one truth or this is the one thing you have to believe. And my content is very like, Hey, if you think this, you know, here's another way to look at it. Or, you know, if you think, even if you have the same views as me, here's how to feel better about it. And it's like, I don't know. It's never like in like a, like preachy, like this is right. Everyone else is wrong kind of way. So I think people, no matter what you believe are going to, you know, not feel offended or, you know, put off by what I'm putting out there because I try to be, yeah, like I'm not, you know, getting super deep into it. Mm -hmm. And you didn't feel a sense of responsibility to weigh in in certain ways. Cause you look at, you look at things like TikTok and and there's Bitcoin and and stock market influencers and we have sort of found ourselves in the land of well there's a lot of mistrust about a lot of things so we turn to the people like yourself that we follow whose whose courses we've taken who influence us because they do cool shit or we want to we like you know we like how they look or we like what their life looks like and therefore we're going to look to them for guidance into the, into the affairs of the world. And that's not necessarily the responsibility that's one signed up for no. when they, when they went out there to create a, no. you know, an IG account, <laughs> it I just happened. I don't, I don't feel that responsibility to be honest. Like I, I really don't like, I will always, I mean, if I feel like broaching the subject, I will, if I'm not an expert on it, I won't. If I'm not, you know, if I don't, have any emotional connection to it that I won't so I mean most things I do have an opinion but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I mean I always say like we can't fight like not no one person is meant to fight every battle and no one person has to fight for every cause like Mm -hmm. it's like it would be impossible energetically for every single person to stand for everything so I don't I'm not going to feed into that where I I'm like oh well I have an audience, so I'm responsible. So I need to do it. Cause then if I do it, then everyone else thinks they have to do it. And I'm, I just, I don't buy into that. And then we get the cascade of pseudo experts on fucking everything. Exactly. And it's, and it's like, you know, message, not message boards. It's like a Facebook post with comments full of literal horseshit for like, you know, comment after comment that just sucks people in and leads nowhere. And I I'd love to see us pull away from that. I, you want to, you know, you want to, you and Frank want to be alone on the golf course and, you know, in the, in the uh, Okanagan. And it's like, yeah, I want to be alone more and more with my wife and kids. And I'm actually having a hard time figuring out, I'm still super motivated. You're super motivated 
to do things. Yeah. And I'm almost more motivated by doing less. Than I, I was, I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like I'm no longer super motivated to do things. Like I really <laughs> don't. And I'm like, but maybe that, I, but I'm like, I'm decided that that's a good thing. Like I've decided that that's the way it's meant to be right now. And things are so much slower. Like I'm taking a lot more time to do things. And that I like, there's a part of me that puts pressure on myself to move faster or get more done. But I think, again, this is that back to what we we're talking about at the beginning. Like this is that, that last judgment of like, okay, we need to really look at what matters here. And, you know, sitting at my computer for another two hours when I'm tired and exhausted and my nervous system is shot and my husband is cooking dinner by himself, you know, that's not, that doesn't sound like a good choice, you know. I can see Frank weeping in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, Frank. I didn't, I'm allowed to say that. Uh, Are you familiar with Kyle Newport's? work called deep deep work Mm -mm. cal newport's this like computer scientist guy super smart wicked smart guy who has no social has cultivated a mass following just via the podcast that he goes on i think he recently did start one uh, and speaking but there's no other way to find him you i think he blogs but again it's not like there's no anything else and what's his name cal newport Oh no. Okay. Cause I know another, no, no, no. Okay. It's all good. So he, he's got, he's got a book like a world without email. He's got a book mm-hmm. called deep work and he's moving towards, I think it's his next book. That's called or not called, but around the, the thesis of slow productivity. Mm. And he references back to scientists, OG, like, Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton, like these, um, these OG scientists who, if you looked at any given week, any given day, any given month, any given year, maybe even their productivity would appear to be nothing. Mm-hmm. But then over the span of three years, they would deliver something that advanced the world. Uh, and, and therefore from, a, from a, the standpoint of their total career, mm-hmm their productivity was sensational. It wasn't useless. Not that the work that we do every day, the busy work is useless, but it was big work. It was slow productivity, but big Mm -hmm. productivity. And he says, the only way that you can achieve that is if you give yourself time to do deep work and you cannot do deep work. Literally it takes 15 minutes to like eject whatever, like, let's say you bounce from one email to the next yeah and you're switching context it takes as i understand it 15 minutes to get back into the focus and in the focus is where you do great work so how are you managing your focus and attention these days and and looking at even if you want to do less maybe still thinking like over the next five years there's a big thing coming out of your world I mean, I'm not managing it. So thank you for thinking that I might be, but I'm trying. <laughs> um, but I literally did just sit down today because the intention is there. But no, what I've always done is because I've 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 been aware of that that switch that it takes to go. Um, so what I heard, the way that I understood it was that to go from right brain thinking to left brain thinking was that 15 minute shift. Uh, okay. Um, I could have it wrong. But I mean, I, I mean, I could too, but I check me. It's or us. <laughs> um, so what, like what I do is I have like specific days that I check my emails that I 
have calls that I do strategy work, like the more masculine work. And then I have Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do the more feminine work, like, um, like creating graphics, writing, creating social media content. And then that way there's no, you know, back and forth. But then does that mean, you know, sometimes on a Tuesday, I'll see an email come in. I'll be like, ah, oh, and I got to do this thing and I'll, yeah. So it's like, but if we can, for me, like those two, those two types of days are very different because those slow feminine energy days, those creation days, you know, I'm starting my morning more slowly on those masculine days. It's like, okay, let's go like, let's wait, let's, you know, go for, let's do a Peloton, you know? So it's just being intentional about how you're setting your energy up as you're going into that specific work. But then I also found that certain times of the day I do uh, like in the mornings, I'm really good at writing and, you know, I feel really clear and I'm good at doing that creative work. And then sometimes at like 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m., suddenly I'll get a, an urge to just check a million things off my list that have been on my list forever. Those kind of like more masculine, low hanging fruit things, and I can get so much of them done. So sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a feminine morning and a masculine afternoon. Um, so it just kind of depends. And just knowing, I think just if you can get really clear on the different versions of you that it requires to do certain types of work, then it can help you kind of time block them together. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal advice. Like I don't, I don't know any better advice than that. I just know that it, in terms of doing good work and getting good work done. But what I know is that for so many who, who haven't necessarily achieved what you have in terms of being able to have an assistant or different things like that, how they, they can never conceptualize, not never, sorry. It's hard to conceptualize how they get to manage that when they feel like they're on somebody else's time. Like, is there, is there a, a walk before you run version of that? Or do you just kind of bring it into whatever it is that your world is, you just try and figure out what those things are However it is that your life is structured, you just try and figure out what those things are, the masculine and feminine, how to schedule according to where you're going to be most successful at any given moment in the day. Is that? Yeah, exactly. Like, just look at like how you work and everyone's different. Like some people, yeah, you, if you are someone who wakes up and goes for a run every morning and then you're like, you know, super energetic and energized and you just want to, you know, head dive into like strategy and start, you know, ticking things off your list and diving in. And then you might chill at lunch and like relax a little bit and then be like, okay, now I'm going to go write that article or I'm going to go, you know, do that more creative thing. It just depends. Yeah. I think just really monitoring, like when you like, and another way to look at it is like, when do you face resistance? I know Mm -hmm. if I try to answer an email at 3 PM, my eyes cross. I'm like, uh, like this is not, my brain is not, does not do this at this time of day. So if you can like kind of use that resistance as a marker of like, okay, this tells me that there's a better time of day to do this. And then you can kind of just arrange your tasks according to your own energy flow. And with, they do say that like, obviously women work you know, according to like a monthly cycle, but they say men work with a like day-to-day cycle. So yeah. So, so I think that would be for men, I think that would probably be even more true that, you know, every day is more similar. Whereas with women, there's certain weeks where I don't want to write an email all day or I don't, you know, so it just kind of depends. 
I, I get all the feels in a 24 hour cycle. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster for Jana to deal yes. with me in 24 <laughs> hours. I, I think it goes back to what you said. And I do want to, I, I know we don't want to leave Frank in the kitchen too long here. So we got it. No, we he's, to- <laughs> he, he went out for dinner. So okay. <laughs> okay, good. So where we kind of pivoting back to this idea of consciousness and conscious ascension being part of, and the rituals and the things that allow you to achieve that, giving you the mental clarity and the space to even make this, these assertions and, and these judgment calls and feel them and recognize them and say, oh, oh, something is off here as opposed to pop a pill kind of thing, right? right? Or just yeah. do, do the email. So I want to, I do want to, I do want to go there, but before I want to talk a little bit about your perspective time, which I don't fully understand, but I understand you look at time a little differently than the rest of us. Oh, and yeah, I, yeah. and I will share, it's, I don't even have a real story to put context to it. All I have is that at one point you told me that you were time bending Mm. And so I tell my daughter, Quinn, when she's stressed out about being on class on time, I say, just do what Amber Lee does and bend time. Yeah. So you, there, there's a lasting impact, but I have no idea what I'm talking about when I say that. I'm, just saying it. <laughs> I'm like, how many bottles of wine did I drink before? I said that? <laughs> but no, I do know what I'm talking about. Um, but no, so actually they talk about this. And of course, miracles, they talk about this in physics. They talk about that. Like we do have the ability to bend time and to wrap time around us. And like one very simple practice that I started doing when I, well, so yeah, I mean, concept number one, time isn't real. We think that time is linear and that the clock is always moving forward. The truth is we've all had those moments where we think it's going to take X amount of time for a certain thing to happen. And it happens in an instant. And our, linear mind really slows us down. So if we think, okay, I'm going to launch this business. And in my first year, I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars, but now you've like made up this limitation. What if you're on your first day, you could have made a, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Cause we like create milestones of time that, mm-hmm. and that slows us down. Whereas like miracles or, you know, you know, anything that comes in that is in alignment with our highest vibration can happen in an instant. So a very simple practice that I used to do, if I was like running late, I would literally take my hands and I would pretend I was wrapping a present. I'd be like, nope, time wraps around me. Time wraps around me. Time wraps around me. And if you're constantly going, I'm late, I'm late, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late. Or, oh my God, I don't have enough time. There's never enough hours in the day. Or, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm so behind or I don't have enough time or it's going to take so long to reach this goal. Then that's the reality that we're creating. But if we can get into the truth of knowing that, you know, I have the ability to change my frequency at any moment to call in that thing that I want and that it's going to be perfectly on time. And for just a more, you know, obvious um, example, again, like if you're running late and you believe that you're not late, then, you know, the other person that you're supposed to meet is going to hit every red light or they're going to be, you know, they're going to be running late and then you're not late. So it's like these random little things that we, we can't expect are going to happen that can happen really, really quickly. And we've all had that. We've all had really good things happen really suddenly that we thought were going to take way longer. And if we can just claim our power over that, you know, with that, those mindset shifts, then, you know, that's, the power of it, but also on a deeper level of that, I also talk about quantum leaping, which is essentially basically like a, it's, it's almost as like time is it's like, you're standing in like a, 
zero time vortex. <laughs> and then you kind of, this is like kind of crazy. You like leap to another dimension. So they, they talk about this in quantum physics where there's like multiple dimensions existing at one time and that every single choice that we make kind of branches off into like a different, mm-hmm. a different reality. So if there's a reality that you see in your mind that you're trying to attract to yourself, you can actually like leap to that reality by A, being really clear what that reality is and B, being a vibrational match to that reality and C, like really following your intuition and your guidance and not limiting yourself as to whether you can have that. And we've, again, we've all had that happen very, very quickly where our world can change for the positive overnight. So so yeah. There's a few lessons on time. That is a that is a big rabbit hole. Um, yes. Is that was that the name of the movie? Is there a movie like circa like 15 years ago that came out that everyone was talking about that talked about that parallel? I don't know. Oh, there was a movie. This is like pre Netflix where it was like oh like like movie theater days. I don't think it even made it into theaters, but I think it was one of those rentals that like had tons of success. And it talked okay. about these parallel universes and this quantum, this quantum leaping, which again goes back to like, if you want to roll your eyes at it, fine. But the, but the spirit of it is that your frame, your mind framework frames everything for yeah. you. What you let go of frees you to focus on the things you, you know, you want like decluttering all the, all the shit, the baggage, emotional, physical, literal, otherwise out of your life frees you to, to have the space to create all this goodness. in. and it's, and, and the thing that we, that's so hard is it's, it's literally a choice. Like you had to make the freaking choice to do the hand thing. And that is the hardest choice to make because the easier choice we're wired to think the worst on it. Yeah. And that's where the work comes into all this. And that's where it's like, this is not, it's easy in one sense, if you kind of, if it clicks, but it's still every day, you got to show up in it and you've got to make those calls to. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, that's the only answer to that is meditation. And like the, the beauty of meditation and there's so many great things about it, but it's that it gives you that millisecond of pause to choose a different thought that millisecond of pause to have like before you react to choose a a response rather than a reaction. Mm -hmm. So if, if, you know, and everyone's doing it, everyone's meditating, you know, top CEOs are meditating and there's a reason for it because it takes us from our natural reaction, which is rooted in trauma to a one second pause, allowing us to actually think about what we're doing and then responding with intentionality. And that's, that's what higher consciousness is. That's, you know, that's what awareness is. That's, you know, all those spiritual buzzwords. That's really what we're talking about is that split second to make the better, to choose the better thought. And, and yet it's so simple. And yet here we are in this moment that would appear like we're tearing apart at the seams Mm -hmm. as as a human race but you don't feel that way. You feel like the exact, the exact opposite is happening. Yeah. I feel like we are, we are creating a new earth where the structures that we thought were keeping us safe and we thought were working are no longer working and they're combusting and that there's going to be a rebuilding and a restructuring and people are going to 
no longer be relying on others. I mean, on, well, not on others, on certain systems and structures or governments to make them to to make them happy. I don't want my bread rationed by big daddy government. Like that's just not the life I want to live. And you know, that's and, and and that's the thing. It's like some people want that. Some people will want to be in a more structured society if they build building build back better with this, you know, this big plan. You know, some people are going to want that and that's great. I don't live there. Like I just don't live there. I don't live there mentally. I don't live there spiritually. I don't live there physically. And we have that ability to create a life outside of that, outside of that, that desperation or that, um, not desperation, sorry, that dependence on the government. It's such an interesting shift that you're talking about where there you're seeing something bad or you're feeling something super heavy, but that's actually pointing to something positive that's happening. It's pointing to like, actually, no, that is, supposed to happen like to, mm-hmm. in order for yeah it has to it's a it's a death and rebirth and that's mm. you know that's we can never and look at everyone look at their lives like have you ever been able to take yourself to the next level without having released something else that was no longer serving you no and that's what's happening globally right now clearly it's not working like the structures are not working they haven't been for years so you know this doesn't have to be a bad thing and yeah i just think maybe there will be some like great support from the government and maybe there will but i think that this is now a time where people can be like okay let's look at the main structures let's look at education let's look at healthcare let's look at the food system let's look at the government let's look at things even just like the like entertainment space like if we if if i was to forget everything i knew about the about life as it exists and the earth as it exists and society as it exists, what would the best things be? So when I think of the best way to have food, I want to be eating something that my neighbor's growing. I want to be eating something that, you know what I mean? Like, but you know, we've gotten into this place where for some reason, even though we're growing a shit ton of apples, we're bringing them in from California. You know what I mean? Like the stuff that it's some, so much of it doesn't make sense. And so much of it is convoluted. And so much of it is like, there's, it's, it's all about money, right? So if we were to look at each structure and like healthcare, okay, I wish healthcare was structured in a different way. I wish that we were allowed, I wish that, you know, Eastern practices were used in combination with Western practices, you know, and I can create this vision of what I want life to look like. And then I can go do that. I don't need the, the government to allow me to use Eastern medicine. I can just go do it. I don't need the government to be giving me food for my neighbor. I can go move beside a neighbor that has a garden. I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, I can start to create this with my own life rather than waiting for, oh, this is what the big box grocery store has that you have to eat, you know? So I just, and education, like you don't have to put your kids in those schools. You don't, you know, you don't have to go to university to get the job. You can start your own business. Like, I just feel like people are just born into this, this structure of the way things work, but there's so much more outside of it. I hate logical inconsistencies, like (laughs) what you're talking about, right? Where it's like, well, we know they fucking lied to us about most of our Canadian history. We're repenting and apologizing and chasing, changing signs, but are we teaching any differently? You know, we know 
exactly so much more about the body my daughter is still taught the old food triangle yeah <laughs> you know literally funded by the dairy and grain industry exactly. i'm not saying there's anything wrong with cheese i love cheese i love bread yeah you know but to say that that because that's what it was that is still what it is it's not exactly. logically consistent and i just i mean there's a, there's a there's a control factor in place maybe but there's an arrogance factor mm-hmm. that is just rampant this i am wrong all the time about so much stuff and i'm prepared to admit it and i'm prepared to look at something differently but what you see on the flip side so much is like no we have it right mm-hmm. even though it's changing all the time if we if we put point the finger at science and i do not hate science at all i think science no. gives many many gifts to the world but at the same time you know science's whole premise is on proving itself wrong yet it never really likes to admit that it's proved itself wrong it it presents itself as definitive fact even though it's constantly changing and we look at this in so many different things and i can't make heads or tails if if it's an arrogance because somebody doesn't want to be wrong arrogance because somebody doesn't want to lose control and the thing that i find so ironic about it all is like the very thing that gives it life like the the fact that life is constantly evolving constantly changing and it already is all that it is mm-hmm. and we're just uncovering the pieces of it yeah Yet we don't want to admit that. Well, and by the arrogance, are you talking about the people who are unwilling to hear a different perspective and they get angry when they hear a different perspective or they shoot it down right away? They, they, they get angry. They get, yeah. So I mean, and so, so what I've learned, which is really freaking hard and I'm not perfect at it is, um, I need to have compassion for those people because they're in really deep fear. They are in the deepest fear and a fear that they've been unwilling to look at. And that, so, and we can, I, I, I'm not blanket state statement thing, but from my experience and what I've seen is that the same people, and I'm not every single person, but certain people that I know, the same of those people that have not, that are unwilling to see the tr- a truth or let's not even say truth, that are unwilling to see a different perspective are the same people who are unwilling to look at their own truth. The same people that are unwilling to look at their own shadows, that are unwilling to do their inner work, because again, everything is a reflection. So if they can keep this tight ball of yarn, you know, locked up into a tight knot of themselves so that it can look pretty on the outside. And, you know, they want the same for the world that they live in. They want to like, no, I don't want to look at it. I want to watch the news and I want them to tell me what it is. I don't need to know, like, please just tell me what everything is. And they don't want to look at it and they don't want to look at themselves. So it's like, I can, and again, I'm not even saying that as a judgment, I'm saying this is a way that we can find compassion for those people and not get, you know, not be in judgment of like, wow, you really, you know, aren't open-minded or you're not willing to hear another perspective. It's like, well, you know, that I have compassion for that. And I hope that, you know, I hope that one day that can shift for you, you know? I do. I, I mean, I hope that for all of us. And, and yeah. I, I, I think that the last two years has, there's been a lot of awakening, but at the same time, we've, we've reflected the worst of ourselves in, yeah. in so many moments. And then, you know, I, for one, if I've had a bad moment, feeling very judgmental about something I didn't agree with, you know, and then in your bed at night, you're like, why did I waste so much of my energy on that? Totally. So bad. And, 
And the point you make about compassion is so true because we all understand that change is scary. It is unsettling in an unsettling world. And to unearth these things is like now you're moving to the Okanagan from the city. When we unearth stuff, big things happen. And yeah. this, man, I don't know if I got it in me to, to do this big change, but we yeah. have to keep doing these changes yeah. because it is a lie to not evolve within our own lives, within mm-hmm. our own selves. And that's, and that's why, yeah, like you said, it's easy, it's easy to, to cast stones, but we know when we look at, at our own self, we get, I get afraid all the time. Yeah. I mean, totally. you know, about everything. I mean, I wouldn't be afraid about moving to wine country, <laughs> <laughs> but I was afraid about moving to the farm. And it, and it leads me to like, the, when we talk about a new earth and we talk about that, that's scary because it, it makes sense in this, when you look at it, but we're not set up that way. So you're stepping outside of a, of a swimming lane that you mm-hmm. know how to swim in. Mm-hmm. And there's some rapids in the other lane and you're yeah. like, I want to go there, but I don't really know how to swim in this lane right now. And yeah, and there's a, there's a big trust leap that we have to make. And yeah. I think it's going to take a while to, to make it for, for I think there's, I guess that's that, no, that's not a statement. That's a question. How, like, where do you, what's the time frame? that you see and others in your community see for this? I mean, so I feel like five years in total. So another two and a half intuitively is what I feel, but I don't, I don't know how far the plan is going to go. So it just kind of depends on that because they're, they've got their plan. You know, the government has a plan they've got, they've talked about it, build back better. They've got this whole plan. I've decided that that's not, doesn't sound better for me. So to, I think for, I think, I don't necessarily think that everyone is going to change. I think that there's going to be two different ways of living and it's going to branch off and we're going to be, I think it already is that way. I think it's already happened. Actually, I think the answer is it's already happened. There's a lot of people are already not living in that world. Like they've, you know, I, I think more people than we, than we think are either already making big changes or already have made big changes and they will continue to, to change and, and it will go deeper and deeper and deeper. But yeah, I think five years in total, I think things are going to look a lot different. If people have some curiosity about this type of stuff, where do they go? Hmm. Hmm. Is there a digital community? Is there? I mean, there yeah. are some, but again, like, it's like, some people might not like it. <laughs> like some people. Well, of course. I mean, if the spirit you know? moves you, really, is all I'm saying. Like, if, yeah. If, so I mean, if we've like, offended if, a lot of people in the last hour and a bit here. And oh then, man, and, I'm good at that, aren't I? God. And then, and then there's people, and that's the whole spirit of it is like dropping some breadcrumbs for those who are like, wait a second, that actually re- resonates with me, and I felt pretty alone or pretty confused for yeah. a while, and I do want to go farther. So, is there anywhere? <laughs> Okay, so my friend has a an online magazine and he does really well. He got shut down and had to start another one. His other one had like hundreds of thousands of followers. So this one will appear new, but it's not. Um, well, he has 13,000 followers on it, but it's the pulse underscore one, like O-N-E. And it's really, I really love how he runs this magazine because he, he'll kind of give the headline And then he'll actually say on the next slide. So like on Instagram, there's like the carousel, right? So he'll give the headline. And then on the next slide, it'll say pause 
set your pulse, take a breath, release the tension in your body. And it gives, it reminds you to like, take a pause and then he'll go into the facts. And he is a, he is a, he's a journalist. He's been doing this for years. And of course, you know, because what he says isn't aligned necessarily with the narrative of the news. He gets censored all the time. He doesn't go super crazy into like conspiracy theories or anything like that. Like, it's not like that. It's like, he's giving with different perspectives. And I think that he's a really good, his name's Joe Martino. Um, and I'm actually good friends with his girlfriend, uh, Ruby. So they, I think they do a really good job. They went down to the convoy. They were taking videos, like being like, this is what's actually happening. And yeah, I think that's a good place to start if anyone's looking for a different perspective than what most people are talking about. And you, night night has fallen on our uh, on our chat here. I know. In both our backgrounds. So. <laughs> I, uh, I just, what are you, what are you, what are you working on? Where can people connect with you, Amberly, or I mean, follow <laughs> or follow or. Yeah. I mean, Instagram's probably the best place. Like I, I, my app is something that I thought would be launched by now, but isn't, and I'm slowly creating it. So yeah, I, I would follow me on Instagram at shocker girl co and the podcast is Shocker Girl Radio. I also have some like deep dive episodes on my podcast if this really <laughs> resonates and you really want to go there. But you want to lift up the veil a little bit? And- <laughs> you really want to lift up the veil? Yeah. Do they need to have like a disclaimer, those episodes that- <laughs> I don't I don't bother with the disclaimer. Here's where you can find a, an alternative viewpoint to Amber Lee's point of view. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> we need that everywhere these days, right? Well, that's good. People, people should, because you are, you are so full of, of positive giving energy. And I say that as a friend, but I, again, I say that as someone who knows you professionally and, and is seeing your work professionally and, uh, and they can learn a lot. Are you still running your course or no? Is it still available? Um, I mean, if someone wants it, they can message me, but no, I'm not running it live, but I will eventually like it's way too much to do without a facilitator. So I might like cut and chop it to just the necessities and sell it as a standalone course, but we'll see how that goes. Okay. So it's in the archive for now, but in the archive, let me just turn it into an NFT and sell it for maybe (laughs) sell it for $20 million to see who who buys it. And you know, if you could, if you could say something to everybody, my, two people that <laughs> this podcast. what would you tell them about the, the world today? Uh, I would, I would say, I'm sorry if I've offended you in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> not me too. No, but I would just say the most important thing that we can, that we can use in our own lives today is our own discernment and knowing our own sovereignty and knowing that just because things are going crazy in the world, like like we there there's another side of that where we can make changes that are outside of that that matrix of living so it's like there's a positive there and yeah just to use your own discernment in in what sounds feels right to you and if you notice like a major trigger like if you are super triggered by people talking about this then there's some reflection that you can do on that like why am I so triggered by this like what am I you know so I just think Whenever we're triggered, it's an invitation to look inward. Mm-hmm. And align your chakras. And align your damn chakras. <laughs> Amberly, thanks for spending some time with me. Thank you.
I, uh, I do hope people follow you and uh, Jen and I are looking forward to see you and you and Frank sooner than later. Okay. Yes. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening to The Ramble. No, there is a lot of podcasts out there. So we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution, the, the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you and make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others and all that great stuff. So if the spirit does move you, subscribe, share, post, anything. We'd be forever grateful. And if you have any comments or feedback, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. We're here to listen. Guests you think we should have on. Of course, send them along. Thank you. And until next time, peace.